Amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> All right. I got some excitement there. I like it. You know, it's good to be in the house of the Lord with y'all. It's good to, good to worship the Lord and sing his praises. You know, what a, what a blessing it is uh, for us to be a part of the Memorial Baptist Church family. I mean, that's a huge thing. And it's a blessing each week, each day. And I look forward to growing together and to continue growing together as a church body. What a, what a blessing it is. We're in a, a series on the renewal of the church. And um, I know, uh, you know, the, the church is in a spiritual struggle uh, for renewal. And um, we don't have to look very far. We don't have to look into uh, the news. We don't have to look into our society to recognize that the church needs renewal. I mean, if you look around, there's a lot of empty spaces in this sanctuary. The church needs renewal. And, and uh, this morning we're going to be out of Romans chapter 12 again, but also out of Ephesians chapter 4. But you know, God's plan, God's plan for the church is for each person to present himself or herself as a living sacrifice, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, fully demonstrating God's will. I want to read this passage in, in Romans 12. Paul writes this, he says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, I pray that in this hour you would be magnified in each of our hearts. Father, that your Holy Spirit would cover this place. And God, that you would speak to each of us 
through your Holy Spirit. Father, that you would move us from where we are to where you desire us to be. And Father, that each one of our hearts would willingly yield and surrender to your Holy Spirit. Father, we are grateful for all that you do for us every day. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, it says there to be transformed. And to be transformed describes a change on the outside that comes from the inside. I want to call it an inside job. So what happens is because of, our, of, our, of the, the transformation that takes place inside of us, our outward behavior is changed. It's different from what it was before. That transformation takes place. You know, Paul is calling for an outward change in character here and conduct of the believer, which is supposed to correspond with the internal inner change, spiritual change that has taken place in the heart and life of the believer. See, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not. I know it's, it's probably more difficult than you think. But you don't join the body of Christ. You're born into it. When you are spiritually born again, you are born into the body of Christ. And when you are born into the body of Christ, you are given a gift that causes you to fit into the body. <laughs> I think this is huge. And I think this is important. Because... It is totally different, and it's a totally different concept than the world has. The world has the mentality of that you're going to join a church. If you, are, if you belong to our Lord Jesus, if you have right fellowship with God, then you are part of the body of Christ. You are born into that. You can't measure it like the world measures things. It's totally and I want to say radically different from the way the world views things. See, this is the reason why your mind has to be renewed. <laughs> because if your mind is not renewed, you're not going to get how you fit into the body of Christ. So this realization can come upon you that this is how I fit in the body of Christ. So we read down through here and we've read this passage quite often. It's one of the, the more famous uh, Pauline passages, you know, being renewed and presenting your bodies. And, and, and we don't know all of that about the, the whole living sacrifice thing. I think sometimes we don't get that. But today I want to hone in on the word renewing. He says there, do not be conformed. Do not be uh, pressed into the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word renewing is anakinosis in the Greek. It's the word anakinosis. And really it's the word that we would use today like the word renovate. To renovate. 
It's not really a verb in this sense as much as it is a project. (laughs) Okay? By the renewing of your mind. It's a project that you set out upon the day that you are saved that's never really finished until uh, on this side of heaven it's not finished. We continue renovating each and every uh, thought that comes through our mind every day. You see, it, it starts a process. This renewing of the mind. The moment you get saved, God wants to redeem all of you. And all of you. And so he begins with renewing the mind. He desires you. He desires your mind. And he begins to teach you how to think differently. And that's why he needs our mind. Is so we will think differently as we see situations come. You know, have have you ever renovated anything? Have you ever renovated anything? I mean, I'm working on a pickup right now. You know, redoing the inside. Making it look new again. When we renovate something, what we do, the word literally means to rip out the old and put in the new. And when you think about what Christ does for us, and and what he's saying here is if we are renewing our mind, then we are ripping out the old, what I want to call stinking thinking, and we're putting new thinking in. And it's thinking that is according to God's will, according to his word. See, the most scary thing that each of us have is all the old that is still left in us that we're not even aware of. It's there lurking, waiting. See, our thinking and our conscious decisions are not based on what God says. They're not based on what the Word says, His message of grace But they're based on what has been programmed into us from the time we were born, even before we were born. And so when we come to a decision that needs to be made, rather than consulting God's word and see what God says about it, we decide, well, this is what I would do because this makes the most sense. Folks, walking with God does not always make sense to us. But in our worldly view, in our world, in our worldly view of the world, what we see is, is we want to think things to make sense the way we would do it, and that's not who we serve. We serve somebody that is much, much, much greater. See, we have a certain mindset, a worldview, if you will, and the mind is the most dangerous part of us. You know, in Proverbs 23, it says that as a man thinks within himself, so he is. See, if, and and it's a very big if, if, if I am going to present my body to Christ as a living sacrifice, then I must begin by submitting my mind to the word and let God rebuild my way of thinking to renew, to rip out the old and put the new in there. 
Folks, it doesn't just happen. I mean, can you think of somebody that maybe knew you before you were a believer? They knew you before and they know you after. And they say, you know what? You are so different. There's a huge change that has taken place in your life. You're not the same person. You're different from who you were before. I don't even recognize you anymore. Folks, that's what it means to renovate. It means you take out the old and you put in the new. And really, that's what Christ wants to do with each of us from the inside out. We are a new creation. Old things have passed and the new has come. But listen, we're supposed to, we're supposed to have a process going on. We're supposed to have a process going on. And when I say that, many of us wear our faith like I'm wearing a cheap blazer. We put it on on Sunday morning to come to church, but the process isn't going on all week long. That's what I'm saying. There is supposed to be a process that is going on. It's ongoing. It's not just have, you know, it's not something that just happens in, in a Sunday school class. It's not something you can do, uh, you can do a Bible study and then instantly have your mind renovated. You know, yesterday, I took apart the dash in this pickup that I'm renovating. I didn't realize there were so many screws in that dash. As I look at the pile there on my back porch, I'm thinking, somebody needs to put this back together. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's going to take some time. It's not something that just happens like that. It's something that you work on. And it's a process that's going on. I mean, it's happening every day of your life. Sometimes we call it discipleship. Sometimes, you know, it, it, it's walking with God. And what he's doing is he's, he's renewing your mind as you, as you feast on his word. And, and it changes you from the inside out. See, every day, in every circumstance that comes along, you are bent towards thinking selfishly, and fleshly because our, we do what our body wants us to do. We're bombarded by that in the media. Obey your thirst. Wait a minute. The thirst is a function of my body. I'm not going to obey my body. If I'm doing what I need to be doing, I shouldn't have to obey my thirst. I should obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, he will provide what is needed. But it's a fleshly way of thinking. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. You know, when we talk about not being pressed into the pattern of this world, 
it doesn't necessarily mean that you wear peculiar clothes or that you're, you, you have awkward behavior or that you're rude. Okay? I'm not saying that following the Lord is going to, you know, you have, to be will, you have to be weird to follow God's will. That's not what I'm saying. Don't take that. What I'm saying, though, the entire world system can be summed up in three terms. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the things that they are filling themselves up on. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You know, the, the flashiness of living. <laughs> but nonconformity to the world means bringing our body and its appetites under the control of the Spirit of God. Under his control, putting our imagination under the mind of Christ and walking in humility and spirit through a world where self-confidence and boasting runs the day. If you do that, if you put your body and its desires under the control of the Spirit of God, if you put your imagination under the mind of Christ and you walk in humility in the Spirit, people are going to think strange things about you because you're not conforming to their standard. They will notice there is something different about you. Because listen... Truth professed has no transforming power. I can get up here and I can preach God's word. Week after week. Truth professed has no transforming power. But truth that is received and fed upon can revolutionize a person's whole character. I spent many years in the food industry. I know how to cook. I can make a wonderful, wonderful meal. I can put a sumptuous meal out on the table in front of you. But you know what? It doesn't matter what I've prepared if you don't pick it up, receive it, and eat it. And that's what I'm saying. If we're going to renew our mind, it's not enough to hear the truth. We've got to ingest the, the truth. We've got to feed upon it. See, make your every thought an action. And make every action link it with a thought. Be intentional about it. See, it's also God's plan that all members of the body function according to the measure of faith that God has given them and to minister every member, all members, to minister as the grace of God directs them. This is, this, is, this is big. Because you see, our prayer, our prayer goes on. It's, it's renew our church, Lord. And it's, it, it's make it a church where every member of the body answers the call to the ministry of believers. Oh, I'm so glad. And you are too. 
that this hand, this member of my body, decided to pick up the comb and run it through what's left of my hair this morning. One hand washes the other. The body takes care of the body. You see, we can look at this a couple of ways. Scriptural understanding is of a universal ministry. Now, don't mix that up. When I say universal, I'm talking about a worldwide type ministry. Okay? Romans 12, 3 through 6, it talks about these, these gifts. And there's several insights there that describe ministry. And Paul speaks of the grace that is given to him. God has given all members, all believers, a measure of faith to express, but not all to the same degree. See, all all believers are members of Christ's body. If you know Jesus and have him in your heart, and you have been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ, then you are a member of the body of Christ. See, all believers are members of the body of Christ, but they don't all have the same function. But all believers do have a ministry. See, this passage calls us to be renewed in our minds. It calls us to be renewed in our minds toward what? The church. He goes in to specifically list gifts within the body. And he's saying that we are the body of Christ. And he's saying that that we are called to be renewed in our minds toward the church. Because God has given every member of the body a call to ministry. Every one of us has a ministry. And we we are not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But rather we are to think more humbly. I mean... I love this because Paul says, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. (laughs) Woo! Each one of you has been given a measure of faith. I think that's, that's big because the word allotted here is the word marizo in Greek. And that word... Is kind of like when you go for Christmas or Thanksgiving to your grandmother's and you had a big piece of pie. Stick with me here. Somebody had to cut that pie. And marizo means that's the piece that you got. You didn't cut the pie. It wasn't your pie. Somebody cut a piece of pie and handed it to you. That measure of faith was allotted to you. And you say thank you and you eat the pie and you enjoy it. And your measure of faith, the gift that God has given you, has been allotted to you just like that pie. It's a portion of the body. You didn't decide it. I love this because, you know, God has allotted to each one a piece, a portion of a measure of faith. 
And the word for faith here doesn't have quite the same meaning as we know, normally know faith, which is a dependence and obedience to God. But I believe here he's talking about that God has allotted to each a certain portion in the church called the body of Christ. Think about this. If we're all the pie, if we all make up the pie, you have a portion of it. You've been allotted a portion of it. You've been given a portion of it. (laughs) Now, staying with this, we might say this, okay? I have a piece in the body of Christ. God has cut that piece. He's given me a portion in the body of Christ. But God has also given you a portion in the body of Christ. And somebody else a portion in the body of Christ. And you might say, well, I didn't get as big a piece of the portion as you got. And I might say, well, I didn't get as big a piece as you got. But we all got some. We all got a measure of faith for the purpose of the body. Now, I mean, we could ask the question, who cut the pie? And who deserves the pie? I mean, who deserves it to start with? It was a gift allotted to each one of us from God. We didn't deserve it. He gave it to us. Just like in his character, you know, the giver. See, we need to view it that way. Our measure of faith, our gift, we need to view it that way because the church is not so much an organization as it is an organism. It's made up of many members, but all the members are one body. See, God formed it. It's his church. Preachers don't build it. The staff doesn't build it. You don't build the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. But we're a piece of it. We're a piece of that. And each one of us has an ability to trust God. And that is the faith I believe that Paul is talking about is the slice of pie that God has cut for us individually. Now we need to renew our mind so that we understand this. So that we can see it as it is. That we are all members of one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, I want to read three verses here. Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then verse 11, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. I mean, every, every believer is, giving, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every believer. See, God gives gifts to believers so they can prepare other believers for ministry. As a new believer comes to Christ, they may not get it. They may not understand. And so 
The reason that we are part of that body and we've been given gifts is to help equip them to do ministry. But we are all called to ministry. I mean, Paul says that God gave different believers different roles to fulfill in order to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. Now, God gives gifts not to be hidden or neglected, but to fulfill his purpose. It's not about us. It's about his purpose and what he desires. So, are you using, are you using the gift that God has given you for building up the body? I mean, Ephesians 4 agrees with Ephesians 2. If you flip back one page, he says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. I mean, the whole idea is is we are his workmanship. We are his craftsmanship. He's created us for for these good works. And it also goes with the, the truth that all believers are priests one to another. I mean, if you look in Romans 1, verse 6, it says that we are all called. <laughs> that every person is called. I love that. I'll read it to you. 1, 6, it says, Among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Folks, that's us. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, but you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, priesthood excuse me, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, although our gifts and ministries may differ, no believer is exempt from serving God and building up the body of Christ. See, we have a local church. It's a picture of this universal church that I mentioned earlier. And I'm not talking about the universal salvation type of church. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. We don't preach that. We believe that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you trust in Him, if you have Jesus and invite Him into your heart for the forgiveness of sin, then you will be saved. If you are not saved and you go and die, well, then your fate is also sealed. And it's not a very happy place. It's a place called hell. I cannot grasp that a just God would in the end just accept everybody and everything they've done. There's a reason why he says, be holy as I am holy. Now we, we talk about this universal church which is made up of people who have put in their, their faith in Jesus Christ, not only here, but around the world. But the local church is a picture of that because we come from all walks of life. Now what I'm saying is the local church is that picture, but we're only a part of something that is all over this world. And God has a big, big family. And it's called the body of Christ. I mean, do you realize how big 
the body of Christ is. There are believers in Tanzania worshiping. There are people in Australia worshiping. There are people in China worshiping. And they're all part of the body of Christ. See, your gifts, your gifts are not just for our church. Come on, share the vision here. You're not called to 60,000 people in temple. You're called to 7 billion people. We are priests for the Lord. They're for the whole body. We don't measure them like we measure other things. You see, God keeps us going. He is the one measuring. And we won't know all the things that have been done until we get to heaven one day. But we are all required to be faithful. Faithful in what he has given us. Each of us has been allotted a measure of faith. Are you being faithful to the amount of faith, the piece of the portion of the body of Christ that he has given you? Or is your pie sitting on the plate untouched? I'll let them do it because I'm busy. See, all that we are required is to be faithful in what has been given to us. To live and to serve with that portion that we've been given. So my encouragement today is to develop what needs to be developed. To grow where you need to grow. And the practical application of this ministry, if you will, that's for everyone, is that Christ is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he is ministering through the body. As you go and you serve your neighbor, he is ministering to your neighbor through you. See, even as he ministered on earth, know that he ministers through you, through each one of us. See, if we confine the ministry to the pastor or to the church staff, Folks, we miss God's plan for the church. I mean, by this we limit too few people to the work that is too big. And see, all believers, every one of us, is to be a part of the staff. Every one of us. (laughs) I mean, God doesn't have a passenger list, folks. Meaning that no one should be merely along for the ride. See, we need, to, we, we need to be servants and not spectators. We should leave the stands and take the field. We're all players on the same team and God is the coach. He's the one directing. He's the one putting in charge. He's the boss. He's the one in charge. Now, as we come to a close here, Here's one way that you might discern your gift and it may surprise you. What do you complain about in the church? See, people tend to complain, get ready for it, in their area of giftedness. Gifted teachers... 
They complain that the teaching is weak. Those gifted in administration, they grumble about the church being poorly organized. Those gifted in mercy, they gripe that the church neglects the the shut-ins. Those gifted in evangelism shake their heads and and don't understand why people are not more interested in outreach. And so forth. But the solution, of course, is to quit complaining and start serving in your area of giftedness so that the church will improve in that area. But understand, there will be a price to be paid. Because we must die to self and live in obedience to God's perfect will, to his plan. See, there's a reason in Romans 12 why 12.1 comes first before 12.3. We offer ourselves as a spiritual sacrifice. And after we offer ourselves as that spiritual sacrifice, what we give to God, He will take it, He will break it, He will bless it, and He will use it. But I'm pretty sure He's not going to use what we don't give Him. See, commitment calls for a living sacrifice. You know, there was a young woman who went to her Scottish preacher, and she asked how. She could uh, resolve her problem with her desires of the flesh that contradicted the will of God. And this is what he said. The minister said he wrote two two words on a piece of paper and he handed it to her. And he said, I want you to go and read these words and mark one of them out and bring the paper back to me. Well, on the paper... As she looked at it, it had the word no written on it, and it had the word Lord. And it didn't take her long to realize that if she said no, she couldn't say Lord. And if she wanted to call Christ Lord, she couldn't say no. See, we won't even know God's choice concerning the limitless options that are before us until we put ourselves unconditionally at his disposal. See, the the, the aura in this room, the power in this room for the kingdom of God is amazing. The problem is we're not On the altar. See, we have to turn over all of our rights, presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. And that's another way of saying, Yes, Lord. Yes. I mean, once we settle the question of our yieldedness, our submission, our surrender, then we can take that second step which is to bring out behavior in line with renewing our minds. See, if we will build that altar of living stones, he will send the fire. 
Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. And Lord, we recognize that life creeps in and we get busy. But Father, we also recognize that even this day, you call us to be more than we are. Father, I pray that our prayer would be yes, Lord. That, Father, when you call us to to put our bodies on the altar, that we would say yes, Lord. Father, that we would commit ourselves unconditionally to you, whatever it takes, Lord. Father, the church needs revival. And Father, we we want someone else to bring it. But Father, I know that you want to use us. And it's about the surrender of our own hearts. Father, of coming clean with you. And saying, Father, I want to be used by you. I want to be useful in your service. I'm done living for me. It's not working out right. But Father, I want to live for you. And it's that simple obedience of saying yes, Lord, to whatever you ask us to do. Either you are Lord in our lives, or you're not Lord at all. But Father, we have a will, we have a desire. And I believe that the heart cry of your people is come, Lord Jesus. Father, that we would be renewed, that we would be revived, that you would bring fire on the altar. Father, that you would show yourself mighty. God, that we would surrender to you. Father, we would not live another moment for ourselves, but God, that we would surrender it all to you for your glory. For your honor. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for us that we might be made right with God, that we might be declared righteous. Father, thank you for for loving us that much that you gave your only son. And your word says that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Lord Jesus, I pray in the moments that follow that your Holy Spirit would have his way in each of our hearts and that, Father, we would be in obedience to your will. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.